Uh, well, good morning all. Good to see you. For those of you that don't know me, and even if you do, my name is Chris Kimmons, and I am the pastor here along with Nick. It's very good to see you. It is Father's Day, as you would expect, and uh, we're just taking a little mini break from the series on boulders. We still have a couple left, at least, of the boulder series that we have been running through. And obviously, we are looking at fathers today, as you would expect. But this isn't just a father. So if you are not a father uh, at all at the moment, or or, or indeed female, then uh, please do keep listening, because there is stuff in here for you as well. I appreciate that for some people, today isn't always an easy day. You may have uh, lost a dad. Maybe this is your first Father's Day without uh, without your dad around. Maybe you never have a dad, never had a dad that you knew. Maybe you were mistreated, neglected, assaulted, humiliated by your dad. And so Father's Day is a painful time. Maybe you're a single mum and that makes the day pretty tough too. Or maybe you're a dad who's lost touch with his kids either through your doing or actually their doing and they don't want to know you or something. So I know it's not, I know it's not easy for everyone. Something I definitely say about being a dad is you can't be a perfect one and When it comes to parenting, I think we can put a bit too much pressure on ourselves. So one of the things that I I try to do sometimes is, and I mean this with the greatest of affection, you you kind of look at the score out of 10 with which, let's say, dad, your dad fathered you, and let's say he fathered you at about a 5 out of 10 overall. Um, In that case, I would say your aim as a father is to hand over to your kids a 6 out of 10. And then they can make it a 7 out of 10. And it can keep going throughout the generations. And within no time at all, you'll just see a blessing cascading down those generations. I think too many fathers sometimes put too much pressure on themselves to be a 10 when working from such a deficit. But dads, let me encourage you, please, straight off the bat and say this to you. Keep stepping up to the plate. Don't bow out, back down or back off. Don't be bullied by a pervading culture that asks whether dads are even needed. Some of you may even have seen earlier in the week where there was a program on ITV, I think it was, one of the Good Morning type programs, where they actually had a debate whether Father's Day was even necessary anymore. Men, don't hide in your work or your hobbies or your shed if you're lucky enough to have one. Don't shut down and switch off. Don't wimp out. But instead, be courageous in your parenting. Engaged, devoted, and hardworking. Don't give in or give up because your kids need you. Your grandkids need you. And there are some men that need your father heart, even though you're not biologically their dad. So, be encouraged. Literally, let God put courage in you to be a dad. So we're going to look at three aspects of fathering, and they are these. Being doting, being attentive, and being definitely generous, because if not, it doesn't spell dad. It spells dag. And that doesn't mean anything. After 20 minutes of wrestling through, trying to find an appropriate acronym, I gave up and shoved the word definitely in there. So everybody say doting, Doting. attentive, Attentive. and definitely generous. 
Excellent. Brilliant. Doting, attentive, and definitely generous. As we go through, I'm going to deliberately blur the lines between, is he talking about God as a dad, or is he talking about like an earthly dad? If that's what you're thinking at any moment, I've got you exactly where I want you, so stay there. Um, and also, just to clarify, that I am not talking about the process of biologically fathering. There we go. It's not a sex talk. I am talking about being a dad, being a father, not fathering in the biological sense. So, uh, now that's an interesting thing. I'd love right now to be able to see inside your heads for those people going, oh, it's not a sex talk, shame. And other people are going, I didn't even think of that. Why did he even mention that? I didn't even think of that. Anyway, we digress ever so slightly. So, but I definitely speak as a dad, as one who really, I, I have not got this sorted by what I would say is a long way. My opinions of myself as a dad to be honest, aren't always that high. That was incredibly gracious, I have to say. Um, and it's something that I have to keep addressing in my own life. I do, though, have someone who cheers me on as a dad. And honestly, that makes all the difference. So Nick believes in me as a dad, even when I don't. And I honestly wouldn't be half the dad I am without her. And while that is bigging her up, that isn't my aim. My aim really is to say this, ladies, don't drag dads and men down, even if you feel they deserve it. Stop deriding them on Facebook and moaning about your husband to your friends. Speak up the father to the kids, to the very best of your ability. I haven't been checking your Facebook feeds. You're all safe. It's okay. But if the cap fits, then wear it and take it off. Nick's continual belief in me as a dad gives me buoyancy in what can be, at times, pretty difficult waters, I have to say. I've been a dad for 21 and a half years, something like that. I have an older daughter, Martha. And these three targets that I have been learning and still am learning to go after. I've seen parents who do these, and I've seen parents who don't do these. I have taught children of dads who do these, and I have taught children of dads who don't. I've met many an adult later in life whose fathers did do these, and many more, sadly, where the father didn't. So here's just a little bit more detail about each one. The word doting I don't often look up in the dictionary uh, when doing a talk. Oh, what does that word mean? But I did on this occasion because it's so brilliant, I decided to take it. So doting, extremely and uncritically fond. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I, rather than dad does my washing, which is true, by the way, I would have, oh, I'd love it if she'd said my dad is extremely and uncritically fond of me. Um, perhaps I will feed her those lines next year. <laughs> before anybody just slip at a bit of paper. Here we are, that's what I'd like you to say about me. But doting. And obviously, you'll see throughout all, throughout all this talk, we have, a, we have a father, a father in heaven, who is absolutely, extremely and uncritically fond of us. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Also encourage us to be attentive, to pay attention, to get down to their level and look in their eyes. And lastly... 
definitely generous. Open your heart as well as your wallet. So, I'm not going to go into this next bit. This is a very quick, a quick nod to it. You can take all these to an extreme. And I'm assuming that you've got friends or a mirror and you're not going to take these to an extreme. But this is what can happen if you take these to an extreme. You become overdoting. You make the kids the centre of your life. I'm sorry to break it to you. God never meant it that your kids are the centre of your life. If you're treating them at the centre of your life, then God's jealous because he wants that spot back. And if you have a husband or wife, they're next. If you want to provide a stable platform to bring those kids up. It's not always popular. Kids are increasingly, we've gone from the seen and not heard of Victorian times, which is terrible, to actually, you watch a lot of kids' programs these days, and adults are just dumb. That's where we've come to. And actually, that's not right. I mean, some of us are, right? But, you know, you know what I mean, as a principle. Attentive. We need to learn. We can't always be at their beck and call. It can't be, you know, they just ring a bell, click a finger like these guys, you know, more tea or whatever. It can't always, it can't be like that. Sometimes your kids just have to wait. They might have to wait five minutes. They might have to wait a day, a week. And that's what you have phones for, to set alarms, to remind you to go back to them about the thing you said you would. And lastly, definitely generous. I think most of us will see that it's very easy to spoil our kids. It's easily done. It's a fine line, but while it's easily done, I think most of us probably stop well short. But we definitely don't want entitled children. It's such a difficult balance to find, to treat them and lavish your affection and generosity on them without making them entitled. I think it is anyway, so that's, that's me then. It's my own personal wrestle. So doting, a few thoughts about doting. They're going to come up on the screen. It's a little bit of a smattering of ideas and stuff today. This one we've already uh, looked at. Extremely and uncritically fond. Is that what your fathering, your parenting is like? Extremely fond? What would your children say of your parenting? Oh, well, uh, my, my children know I love them. Do they? How do you know that they know that? So extremely uncritically fond. It's hard, the uncritically fond, I have to say. I do like a reasonably moderately tidy house that doesn't look like a bomb has gone off somewhere. Do you know what my... Per I'm going back to that one. Pet peeve. <laughs> Pet peeve. Nick used to do this. She used to, and this is supposed to be about parenting, but honestly, I'll give this example of Nick. The kids are even worse. Nick, we used to have some of those envelopes where you'd peel off the little bit on the back so that it was sticky, yeah, so you didn't have to lick them. Know those ones? Nick would often, I have to say, and the kids, I like this, Nick would peel off the, the thing on the back, the, you know, reveal the sticky bit like that, and leave it there, just there, on the desk. I'm like, why is it? The bin's there. <laughs> just, it's like, just that thing. Now, two children are very much like Nick in very many ways, <laughs> for which I take great delight and joy. Anyway, I'm much better. I've got that off my chest. Okay, so in doting terms, God chose us. How more doting could that be? The Bible makes it really clear. Jesus said, actually, in the book of John, he, it's recorded as Jesus saying to his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. It's about choosing our kids 
to some extent, they say you can choose friends, but you can't choose your family. But in, in other ways, as fathers, we didn't just choose that we're going to have a child. Actually, we need to keep choosing our children. That really is um, reflective of fondness for sure. God walked in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve. We're all the way back in Genesis, first book of the Bible. God chose to come and spend time with Adam and Eve. God didn't need to come and hang out with them. Actually, it says he walked with them in the cool of the garden. How awesome is that? I'm just going for a stroll with God. Amazing. He spoke to Moses face to face. It didn't really happen in the Old Testament back then all those years ago. It didn't really happen. But he wanted to connect, make that connection. And David, Goliath slaying David, he said that God is slow to anger and has a tiny bit of love. No, he says he's abounding in love. That's what God's like. He's not just love. He's, he's abounding in it. It's like an overflowing volcanic eruption constantly of love. That's absolutely amazing. Also, God rejoices over us with gladness. Right now, right at this precise moment, God is rejoicing over us with gladness, over you with gladness. And he quiets us with his love. Do we do that as dads? Do we rejoice over our kids with, with gladness? Do we quiet them with our love when they're upset? It's definitely an invitation. And this, number one, golden rule. I can see you all taking lots of notes. But if you were to write one thing down, this would be it. If someone says to me, Chris, I don't know how to be a good dad. I would say two words, celebrate them. Celebrate them. Everyone needs to be celebrated. We're coming on to a bit more of that in just a moment. So that's doting. Everyone say doting. doting. Oh, well done. Very, very non-British. Katie's all right. She's from America. She's like, oh, I'm used to all this calling out and stuff. Anyway, attentive. This is the next one. So there are a few, I thought of Jesus, there's so many situations. I thought, oh, he was really attentive to people. He was attentive to the man with leprosy who came and said, can I, if you're willing, can you make me clean? He interrupted him. Jesus noticed him. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing. And I've got this great version of the Bible at home on video, on VHS, where Jesus, it's literally the Bible, I think it's Luke, acted out. I think it's Luke. It might be Matthew by the looks of things. Acted out. At this point... At this point, what happens is Jesus and the was leper, because he's just been healed, they roll around the ground together and just have like this rough and tumble and sheer joy and celebration that he's just been healed from leprosy. Jesus noticed him and was attentive. Blind Bartimaeus, the guy who was in the crowd, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus noticed him and said, that, get that man over here. And they said, oh, he's calling for you. Come on in the midst of a crowd. Here's another one. Jesus actually looked at crowds, it says, and he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what Jesus did, he saw a crowd, but he saw individuals in that crowd. He noticed people. Our kids need us to keep noticing them. They long to be noticed. It's what Jesus did here. He saw a crowd of people, but noticed what was going on couple more here. The woman caught in adultery. You could argue Jesus didn't really notice her so much as she was thrust in front of him because she had been caught literally in the act of adultery and according to the law of Moses, now needed to be stoned. So he was brought before Jesus to say, 
Come on then, do your Moses thing, she should be stoned. So Jesus, of course, does the amazing thing that he does, and he notices her, and he loves her, and he distracts them by drawing in the ground and then says, anyone who's without sin, you cast the first stone. Off you go. A Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus wasn't supposed to speak to women, or culturally wasn't supposed to speak to women, and certainly not Samaritans. The Jews despised the Samaritans, hated them. And there he was, sat by a well, having a chat with a Samaritan woman, telling her about her life, having these kind of words of knowledge where God's just showing him things about this lady, all to get her to open up and make that connection. Jesus entirely noticed her. In fact, when the disciples came back, they're like, he's talking to a woman. He's talking to a woman, and she's a Samaritan. And he just, he just ignores and carries on talking. It's lovely. And lastly, only because I ran out of space on the screen, I could have carried on and on and on and on. The woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, she touches Jesus' garment. Power goes out from him. He notices straight away. And he says, what was that? What was that? Someone touched me. And they said, of course, someone touched you. You're in a massive crowd. And he said, no, no, no. No, someone touched me. Who was it? She comes forward, explains the story. She's been bleeding for 12 years. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. He noticed her. It was beautiful. And actually, at that moment, he was on his way to Jairus's house to heal Jairus's daughter, who was dying. So Jesus models beautifully what it is to keep noticing people. Our kids need us to notice as well. Now, I have this. This is a photo excitingly, of my desk, admittedly only a small portion of my desk at home. But I've been trying to learn how to be more attentive to anything and everything and how to more live in the moment. I don't mean not care about the next moment, but to try and be present. And so I've got this sticker. I have to keep moving it around because within about a week, I become oblivious to it. And so I have to keep moving it to different places so I keep noticing it. Do one thing at a time. Rather than answer an email and someone texts me in the middle of the email and I go to respond to that text and then a Facebook post pops up and I quickly try and finish that text, go back to the Facebook post and it needs something, it needs some information, I haven't got that, I try and find the information, da, da, da. I completely forget about the email I was doing. And we can do that with our kids, the equivalent of with our kids. But when I was training to be a teacher, which was a long while ago, 95 I think I trained to be a teacher, uh, yes, must be. 1995. I had an ed psych, an educational psychologist, a man called Steve Decker. He came in and did one session. I've no idea who he is. I don't think he's famous. But he did say this one thing that I remember of the entire session, and it's this. He said, every single person needs to feel listened to, taken seriously, understood, and respected. Every single person. So, yes, our kids too. Everyone needs to feel listened to, taken seriously, understood, and respected. Let's move on to attentive. We've talked about Jesus being attentive, but here's just some, here's just some thoughts about how we can be more attentive. The people I observe that are most attentive, particularly with children, they listen with their eyes. Like that old rainbow song. 
that we sometimes used to sing in school that had listen with your eyes, listen with your eyes, and sing everything you see. But listen with your eyes. And we always used to think, oh, that must be a mistake because you listen with your ears. But not when you're really listening to someone, you don't. You listen with your eyes. Here's another one. Face them. This is something I'm learning to do. I'm still not very good at it, but I'm getting better at it, is, um, is this. I sit in the office. I actually have my back to the door of the office at home, and I face a blank wall. Helps me. So what happens is that sometimes the kids will come in and go, Dad, like that. Um, I just used to do this. And I know you'll think me bad, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like that. Okay, no, I think one with that. A bit preoccupied in the middle of an email, whatever. Don't know what that was. Oh, that was an email, by the way, in case you were wondering what that action was. But what I'm learning to do is make sure I give them my full attention. It's not always easy. I, I do have to say that. But they'll come in, Dad. I'll say, I'll say, yeah. Okay, sure. And I actually turn. I physically turn in my chair so that I can face them. Because I want them to know for that moment, you are more important than that email that I'm just in the middle of sending. It's such a simple, small thing. And I please don't think, oh, wow, he's so good, isn't he? Oh, no, 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 I'm really not. I'm trying to learn some ways to be more attentive, because if not, I just get lost. Cuddle your kids. Your kids are never too old for a hug. Just never, 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 I don't care how old they are, they are never too old. Notice them, we've talked about quite a bit. Lastly, affirm them. Now, it's great to tell your kids, I love you, or love you, you should put the phone down, or whatever, however old they are. Nick is brilliant at this, very, very good at this. But I love the way you, whatever it is, noticing something that your kids do really well. We do it sometimes, particularly with Lucy, who sometimes struggles a bit to share with Maddie. Lucy's our, our older, the older of the two. We'll say, Luce, I love the way you just let Maddie get in the car first. It's not just a behaviour thing. But we do sometimes also just say, do you know what, Luce, we love the way you are so thoughtful towards other people. Or Maddie, we love the way you dance, because you just dance from your heart. We love that. Now, admittedly, I don't always do it quite as effusively as Nick does. Nick normally has set off a whole load of party poppers and balloons to celebrate the kids before I've even got my sentence out. And I just have had to learn to live with that. And hopefully, by the time all that little party has finished, and me saying... Well done, Lucy. I thought you were brilliant. Hopefully it still counts for something. We, we, we hope it does. What? No cake, Dad? No, I'm sorry. No, no cake. Haven't you got a party pop? No, no. Mum just used them all on you. Uh, I can't do anything about that. But this, this is particularly to dads and particularly to dads of girls. You need to tell them that they're beautiful. It is your job to find them beautiful. And if you don't tell them they're beautiful... They'll go off and find someone else who will tell them they're beautiful. Every girl wants to know that she is enough. And dads, it really is up to us to show our daughters, if you have them, that they are enough. It can be really tough at times, but we have to keep celebrating them as being enough.
So, being attentive, noticing. Definitely generous. Well, there's so many things I could say here. Jesus was incredibly generous and he modelled what the Father was like. And we often think that Jesus just walked around as some kind of pauper, absolutely poverty-stricken. Well, for a start, he had a seamless robe. So I'm not saying he walked around like a, like a king in opulence, but he wasn't short of money. And when he was, he just went, I'll go and fish. Pull a fish out, it'll have some coins in its mouth. He didn't, when he dealt with the disciples after he'd come back, been raised back to life, and he went to the shore of the Lake Galilee, and they were fishing, been fishing all night, hadn't managed to catch anything. He didn't say, cast your nets on the other side, and they pulled in three fish. They pulled in stacks of fish so much so that the boat was tipping over, and then they were concerned the nets was going to break. God is a God who is generous, stupidly so. Christians tend to be a bit tight because we don't catch that he's generous. But Jesus said he didn't have anywhere to live. But is that what that bit means? Is that honestly what that bit means about foxes have holes, no, no, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Is that Jesus' claim to poverty? It doesn't seem like Jesus was ever short on cash and ever short on anything he ever needed and was incredibly generous with people too. He had a treasurer. He must have had money. He had a, he had a treasurer. They're all going, oh, where's that in the Bible? It's in there. Look it up. Anyway, so he was incredibly generous because he's modelling what God is like, the catch of fish, the best wine at the banquet, stacks of it. I love this one. Uh, God's extravagance seen throughout creation. So, Get this. I decided I would Google how many uh, types of species of beetle are there. Because for some reason I had this recollection somewhere in my head that there are lots of beetles around. Not, not like here, but like lots of types, right? So this is a quote. While there are 250,000 described species of plants, 12,000 described species of roundworm, only 4,000 described species of mammals, there are over... 350,000 beetle species so far discovered. And the irony of all of that was the source of this wonderful information is a website entitled Understanding Evolution. Oh, the irony. There is none so blind as the man who doesn't want to see. Jesus gave himself to us. He chose us. God loves so that he gives. Here's a question, though. Do we give our kids experiences or do we give them stuff? What does our generosity towards them look like? Do we give them experiences or do we give them stuff? Nick is much more an experiential person. I'm a bit more of a stuff type person, like useful stuff. Drills that sit in the garage for three years. I've used once. Oh, that sort of thing. But no, we kids I'm really talking about. And to be honest, I have helped Nick drag us slightly away from the experiential, just slightly, um, so that our kids weren't bungee jumping at three. And a bit more stuff. And to be honest, we've a little bit met in the middle. But I would say this. However you use your money with your kids, use it to help them grow you're probably not as close to spoiling them as you think you might be. 
It is absolutely okay that you don't necessarily respond to everything they ask, but you show immense, unbridled generosity to them at other times. If nothing else, I want my girls to eventually leave home. What's your dad like? My dad absolutely loves me. That's what I want them to know. I got a card actually off Mads on Friday. She came out of school. Father's Day card. Honestly, she didn't really deliver it very well. She said, here we are. Oh, that gave me a card. She said, because if not, I'll forget on Sunday. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think she spent more than about four minutes on it. And I said, oh, thanks, thanks. Anyway, the inside, actually, the message was quite sweet, but it did start by saying, dear dad, you can be rather grumpy. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Don't put it in a card. <laughs> Because now I've got to have the card on the side. <laughs> like, wow, it wasn't even on white paper. I can't even tip exit out. <laughs> Teach them to handle generosity. I think that actually, if they know, if they see modelled in you a generosity towards them, and you model to them what it is to be generous with other people, then make them millionaires. Because we need some people who've got whole wadges of cash who know what to do with it. Nick and I are in total agreement over that. And part of the problem that tends to happen in the church is we adopt a, a bit of a poverty mindset and then are constantly, like Nick and I are, complaining almost that we haven't got enough money to do the stuff we need to do. That's because all the money's out there. Because they don't mind making money. We feel embarrassed about it. I say... I want to teach my kids how to make money. I want to teach them how to do that. God's their provider, sure, but God's also given them a brain and said, be smart, make some money, do something good with it, give it away, be generous here, do this, model to other people what it's like. With that money you've got, put a roof over someone's head, put some skills in their hand. All those things take money. And so I want my kids to learn how to handle being generous. So in closing... Here we are, doting, attentive, definitely generous. Just a quick shout to the ladies. Ladies, I would say please help us men to do this. Please help us. Don't nag us. It doesn't work. Don't know whether you've noticed, ladies. It doesn't work. No one likes being nagged, male or female. Model it. Believe in us. Pray for us. Encourage us. And if you think there's something we got it wrong and that we could actually be doing it slightly better than we are, then that's okay. Honestly, it's okay to say, do you mind if I just talk to you about something that happened earlier? Or whatever, that's fine. Just don't pick kickoff to say it. Because it will. So don't pick kickoff. Pick another time. Or even say, I'd love to have a chat about what happened this morning. When's a good time? Something like that. I don't know. And men, if we are going to overcome the orphan deficit in this generation, then yes, we need the father, but we desperately also need fathers. Men, let's be brave and throw off any shackles of the past, overcome awkwardness, and live as strong, courageous, and honouring fathers. Let's stand. I'm going to pray for you, and then we need to finish. Thank you, Father God, so much 
that you are doting, you are attentive to us, and you are decidedly generous towards us. We thank you your affection for us is off the charts. I thank you that you notice everything about us. I thank you that you gave and continue to give the very best of what you have by giving who you are. We pray for all the fathers in the room, the would-be fathers, the once-were fathers, the whatever, that there will be a rise in fatherhood, that we come back against this sort of orphan spirit, this orphan thinking, and we speak life to the men, that they will rise up and they will become like an army of fathers who father well. Please help us, God. Amen. Just very, very quickly, um, as you go, as Chris was speaking, I felt so significantly to encourage you men. We need fathers upstairs in AV Kids. We have many, many single parent families who bring their kids here. We have many families whose dads don't do God and don't do church, and so they come here. We we have been entrusted with some beautiful children and young people as part of this community and we need more men to be fathering them. We have a wonderful team and we do have some men on the team but the team is predominantly women and actually as you've heard today we need to be able to model what good fathering looks like to the kids that we have upstairs and if you feel in any way that, that however old or young you are there is no disqualification if you feel in any way that you would like to be a part of that then please come and find me or one of the leaders and we'll take your name down and we'd love to catch up with you about that the end thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it for more information visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby in the meantime have a great week and know just how loved you are